Welcome back to Operatory 9, the world's best dental podcast. Um, today is a great day. It's been an absolutely crazy day. Um, mixed with, filled with all sorts of good and bad things. And um, I think we're going to start out with just a couple of those those things. Um, one of them started with, the day started where we fired an employee, probably by about 9 o'clock. The employee's been going through some stuff, and she's just become super, super unreliable. And we were talking about bad employees. Um, and this person, I wouldn't classify her as a bad employee, but she became a bad employee. And so by 9 o'clock, we had fired her, which was unfortunate. And then... We fired our second patient. What time was that, Jason? Second assistant. Second assistant, sorry. Second assistant was fired at what time? That was at... Right after lunch. Yeah, two. So were you there for this, two. Casey? He was in the building. Yeah, well, I was there, and then our Patterson rep showed up <laughs> like oh, seconds before, and he's... Peeking in the, he's peeking in through the door, looking at us. Yeah. And I, and he, he's like motioning to me. So I, I step outside, and he goes, "You guys having a meeting?" And I'm like, "Yes, obviously. Yes, Jeff, we're having a meeting." <laughs> so God then gracious. I had to walk. Then I, yeah, come on, Trump. I had to walk him around the office, and then uh, by the time I came back, it was going down. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So Jason, you did you perform the firing? So the story is, guys. I was out of the office this afternoon. It was my um, nine-year-old's birthday, freshly minted nine-year-old. And I, I spent the afternoon watching him at basketball practice. And let's just say he takes after his old man on the court, which is not <laughs> complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, my nine-year-old also just started doing a basketball camp skills training and not only is he the shortest child out there, but he's probably also the least coordinated, and he's the only one jumping up against the walls and oh, wow. spinning around and doing other things totally unrelated. Yeah. Um, I don't think my son was the least coordinated. He was definitely bottom three, for sure. Small group, non-competitive at the school, co-ed, basketball practicing, and... He was stoked to be there, and he was thrilled that I came to watch. So I even participated in the scrimmage. But because of my commitment to do that, I couldn't be there for the firing of assistant number two. And what precipitated this was, and we all in, in this discussion know this, but our, our dental office has some of the most constricted parking you could ever have. We, had, we have the best office location that you could dream of. But with that, when we built there, part of the problem was there was not that much parking. So we are at the limit for parking. So we have kind of like a first-come, first-served limit on how much parking we allow our staff to take. And we have a particular staff member who repeatedly not only comes to work late, but just parks in the patient parking. And we hit crisis mode today around 10, 11 a.m. when there was no parking for patients. And patients actually came and left without being seen because they couldn't park in the lot. And we don't really have adjacent areas where you can safely park. So anyway, we've been, this particular assistant's been on the 
chopping block for a long time. This precipitated it. So I normally I've done all the firings. I believe Jason was this your first firing? My first one. How and how how did it feel? It felt really awkward. I yeah. So did you Make do it. the talking or did our office manager was also there? Our clinic manager was there. Did she talk or was it you? She asked if I could talk. Okay. I so, wondered about that. Yeah. And so I did. And uh, because we're trying to build a um, her um, her muscle in the practice, I said for all intents, yeah, uh, totally. uh, all intents and purposes, um, she fired her. For if anybody asks, um, she fired, but I, I did, I, I, but you did the talking. I did the talking. You so. know, a dentist who I worked with, who an older guy had a lot of experience, said if you ever want to empower somebody in your staff, have them fire somebody else on the staff, and then let that let that work. And he's right, right? Like, so you guys did it, and yeah. and um, she shook my hand and said thank you for the opportunity. A little teary-eyed and good um proceeded to go into one of the rooms and talk and to the other off, yeah. yeah the other assistants tell her tell them what happened while they still had patients there so uh <laughs> and, know, then, uh, and then left but the that i mean an open bay every good firing has like a little bit of like kickback and disaster um I did. I mean, in my preparation, I did move the scissors away from the path of um, the doorway. So, <laughs> pure self-preservation, totally. I remember I had it. We had a dentist working with us, and he was working in another office. And the staff were not totally on board with everything. We decided we had to fire this woman. And I was like, okay, man. I showed up at the office. I'm like, look, let's fire her together. And I'd like you to be here and do it. And he was like, oh, I can't do it. Um, I was like, okay, well, I need you to like show some solidarity with me because we're going to let her go. And since you actually work with her, if you like, oh, I had nothing to do with this, it makes you look weak. And then no one's ever going to respect you in this office. Like if it's like, oh, well, you know, Chris is the only one who really can fire anybody then who cares what you say anyway so he was like oh i really oh it makes me so uncomfortable but i guess i'm like okay and so we're in there and i'm like hey you're fired and this woman throws the biggest fit ever okay most people like just take it and get out of there she was like what no she like started like arguing and like fighting back for her job and it was super awkward and she yeah and she turns to this other dentist who's been working with her and she's like did you have anything to do with this? He's like, oh, nope, 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 no, 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 Chris. That's all Chris. He's like, no way. It's all him. It's all him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I had absolutely nothing to do with it. Totally. Dude, it was the absolute worst. So, yeah, that one went down terribly. I was so mad afterwards. I'm like, you just, could you please, like, step up? Like, you want people to help you. And I'm not saying that. I endorse this method of like, hey, fire people to earn respect. But sometimes, you know, it it works. People have to take you seriously. People take you seriously and you have to. So anyway, hopefully our parking will be respected better tomorrow than it was today when um, somebody was fired over it. So those are two downs from today. A third down happened when we were taking a pano machine out of another office and the guy I had working on it 
and the Pano machine slipped and smashed his hand. I don't know if you've ever lifted an old Pano machine. They're not light. So I get this call. This is so classic. I was finished um, and I had just a few minutes before we had to go do some birthday party stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get my workout in. I get on my bike. I'm like, I'm going to ride over by the ski basin because ski season hasn't started yet. So there's less traffic. And I was thinking there's not much cell reception. So whatever drama happens, no one will call me. I can just get my workout done and focus. I kid you not, I get like the smallest bar of reception of 1X you could ever get, and I get a call from this guy. I'm like, why is he calling me? I answer, uh, Dr. Chris, I said a really bad accident smashed my hand, and my fingers are all smashed, and it's the deepest cuts, and like the way he described it, I thought his fingers had come off. So and then, of course, the phone cuts him off, and that's it, and I can't do anything about it. <laughs> so I'm like, in the mountains, I can't, I'm like, what do I even do about this? I was... I like riding around one handed looking at my phone until I saw like a speck of reception. I called my wife and had a like, she thought something was really wrong with me because I was like yelling at her. But really, I was just trying to say, please take this, deal with this. Anyway, we sent this guy to the uh, workman's comp clinic that we use, and he, nothing's broken. There's no tendon or ligament damage. He just needed stitches. He's going to take a day off. He'll be back. So a lot of crap went down. Yeah, but, but but you didn't have to suture it yourself. No, and I have done that. I have done that. I So dentist is working with us, and he's pretty new with us. And his parents Yeah, he'd only down. been in the area for like a month yeah, or so. Yeah, dude, he's brand new. His parents are helping him move in. He's cutting an avocado with some fancy new knives he got as a housewarming gift. I now, these are the knives that like you can cut through a shoe, oh, dude, right? I, it's like I saw the... an infomercial for it this morning when I was at a doctor's appointment. And yeah, you can like cut a brick in half, and then you can like then you can like cut sushi, and nice. they're incredible. Yeah, if it'll cut a brick, imagine what it'll do to your avocado. That's exactly what it is. So I was, I mean, he was cutting the avocado and it went th- straight through the uh, the seed. Yeah, there. well, he was the trying pit. to smack the pit with the knife. So you can pull the pit out, and he missed yes, it. Yes, that's and what it was. His, just oh, hit his, yeah. in between his I fingers. was hoping that it sliced yeah. through the pit. Like, that's what I was hoping like for. All the way? The, those knives. Oh man! Oh my god! It's not a samurai sword. Yeah. So I get a call, and he's like, "Hey, Chris, um, I just cut my hand really bad, and I need stitches, and I need it done." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." He was like, "Will you will you stitch will you stitch me?" And I was like, um, yeah. And, and he's like, thanks. I didn't want this other dentist to do it. We had another guy. Another dentist? You go to the emergency room, you dummy. We had another dummy. guy on staff who would have loved to have given it a whirl. Um, and he would have been thrilled to do it. He's like, I don't think he knows what he's doing. On the upside, at my residency, we had a lot of opportunities to suture skin. And that's because the plastics department at the ER was always super busy and like a bazillion hour wait to tr- to treat a kid. So a kid would come in, he'd have like a facial laceration and some jacked up teeth. They'd call the dentist and be like, hey, fix this. And while you're in there, can you just close up that lip? Can you like catch that thing on his forehead real quick and get him out of here? Well, because if I want to protect my hands, my first call is definitely to a pediatric dentist. Seriously. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so yeah, so when I got the call today, I had this thought of like, but, but he's also become... one of your dentists. Dude, he's one of my dentists. So yeah, I, yeah. he had so much yeah, confidence that. that I could just like 
close his hand, I was like, um, okay, yeah. So I meet him down at the office. His parents are there, and his mom is losing yeah. her mind. Well, I was around for this. He came in during a regular work day. Was it? Was it during? Yes, we were during the day. Oh. There were patients in the office. I want to say it was in the morning. Yeah, uh, you he know, came in, right. went into an open right, operatory. I remember the operatory. Yep, I remember the operatory. I remember doing. I thought I was. I thought I wasn't in, and I came in for it. But it must have just. I was there, and he was glad I would do it instead of somebody else who he thought maybe had less extra oral suturing experience. So I was like, okay. But what's funny, he he exudes all this confidence, but then we get down to do it, and he's like. Now you got the right anesthetic, right? You know, you can like kill my hand with like too much epi, and I was like, uh, not as badly I, as you are with that I avocado. Th- dude. I don't think so. I think it's gonna be okay, but I'm also nervous. His mom is like, "This is my baby, the dentist," and she's super proud of him, right? Because he's pretty fresh out of residency and he's got this great new job, and she's so stoked. And oh my gosh, now he like damaged his hand, and is his career gonna be over? And so then all of a sudden I'm nervous. I'm like, oh crap. Like and I hate hearing the stories of like the dentist who thinks he's a doctor and goes in and like treats all sorts of stuff or gives all sorts of weird medical advice when you have no business doing it. I was trying not to be that guy. Anyway, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Fine. So I injected him up and he did that did not feel good. We used the Emla cream as our topical. I'll let you know it is not very powerful on the hand. <laughs> So I, I infiltrated the heck out of that thing. We cleaned it out really well. Um, we just had sterile water, so we just cleaned it with <laughs> sterile water. I may have had uh, like a sc- surgical scrub brush or somewhere in the – I can't remember what we cleaned it with, but we felt pretty good about it being clean enough. Yeah. I mean, then, he cut it with a sharp knife. It's not it like w- he totally. cut I mean, it on a so rusty clean. nail. He probably didn't – he probably didn't even feel pain, right? <laughs> and so, anyway, yeah, I closed it, and it healed. I was pretty impressed. We took the sutures out like a, I don't know, a week or two later, and it looked pretty good. Yeah, and I'm sure I have a photo of him in the office, his hand. Oh, I know we do. I know we do. We'll have to see if we can post it up on the I'll Facebook find it. or something. And his dental hand skills even improved. Dude, <laughs> he only got big. It was even better <laughs> dentist afterwards. <laughs> I was like, all right, it had been a while since I've sewn anything extra oral, and we don't suture much in the office anyway, um, but it worked. But you got me sidetracked from today's good news. One good news, my three-shape my three shape desktop scanner arrived. It's been the longest order mm-hmm. ever. I mean, you, they could have built it from scratch in the time I got it. So it arrived today. I've not had a chance to mess with it, but... Um, it's going to be very cool. I'm excited. Beautiful. That was like Beautiful. the sun rising on a, an otherwise yeah. kind of gloomy day. Of I mean, I can't think of the last time we fired two people in one day. I, what The last time. We've never done it. This is the first time. No, no. I take that back. I've done it one other time. <laughs> I've done it one other time. And it was, I don't know if you guys recall this, but we had two assistants. Both of them were not great at the time. And they were at a party. And oh. while at the party, they divulged some practice secrets, I guess you could say. We were getting ready for an expansion and a buyout of another clinic, and it was still um, protected by the non-disclosure. And the one assistant had overheard me discussing it over the phone in my office and then was sharing it at this party. And we're in a smallish town. But she got the name of the doctor we were buying out wrong. And so... <laughs> 
a dental, another dental assistant was at the party and thought she overheard that we were buying out her doctor. So she shows up at work on Monday in a panic and says, oh my gosh, Chris is buying you out. Holy, you know, why did you tell us? Which the doctor's like, he absolutely is not. Um, and so that doctor calls me super upset. And then I get a call from the office that we are buying. And they're upset because they're, suddenly somebody on their staff knows about the buyout. And it all came down from this party. Anyway, there were two women at the party from our team, both there. I'm pretty sure one of them was at fault and the other was probably not. But they were both potentially involved and both got fired. So, and that happened in one day and they were at two locations. So I fired one and drove to the other office and fired the other. That was quite the feeling. Wow. So, there you go. All right. So, Kelly. Yes, I am here. You brought this up. You sent us this text. and This is an article from... Inside Dentistry, which is kind of a, you know, like a not-so-peer-reviewed dental magazine. Mostly commercial-driven, but it has some interesting stuff, has a lot of technique and things in it. Anyway, this article is called Out of Sight, Out of Mind, Examining the Hall Technique Through the Lens of the ABPD's Core Values. Um, The ABPD is, of course, the American Board of Pediatric Dentistry. Um, Jason and I are both, and Kelly, right? We're all boarded. Yeah, I believe. Um, cool guys. Yeah, sorry, Casey. <laughs> this technique is named after me, though. Yeah, this so. is Casey's. This so you is might Casey. be board certified pediatric but, dentist, but this freaking technique is named after me. It's a good second. <laughs> well said. Well said. So this is an article. This guy's got. Um, axe to grind over the hall technique. Okay, so we have two academics with who both work at least to some degree in the private practice world. Um, and this is, and they're talking about a, what a November 8th meeting, a symposium of the AAPD where they discussed their core values. Okay. The core values quote, the provision of the highest quality oral health care for children. Such care is thoughtful, careful, ethical, and based on the current scientific evidence. Okay. So then these authors write this editorial using these values as an argument against using the Hall Technique. And for those listeners, again, that don't know what the Hall Technique, basically what you're doing is putting um, a stainless steel or a crown over an unprepared or an undrilled tooth or minimally drilled tooth where um you're trapping in any the bacteria so it doesn't the 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 idea is so that it doesn't progress right right and that and it was pioneered you know by our own casey hall no it was (laughs) it was pioneered by a dr hall just graduated in uh when was it uh 2000 you know just a few years ago yeah a few years years ago. ago uh practiced it and then now we have this everybody's using it but the dr hall this was just coming out when i was in residency i feel like hall was a dentist a public health dentist in ireland yeah it was in ireland and she had she had no she was a general dentist i believe am i right guys do you Mm -hmm. remember this i believe so like i said don't fact check me but um (laughs) she's a she was a general dentist and she did not have a sedation permit or the knowledge or ability to sedate in this clinic but she had a lot of kids with horrendous carries who needed stainless steel crowns and so what she decided to do was slap them she on. would just p- 
put the take the take an oversized crown, shove it over the top of the tooth, and then she co-authored uh, several studies where they looked at the outcomes of hall crowns versus traditionally prepared um, crowns, including crowns with like pulpotomy, and I think, um, and they found that the outcomes were pretty similar. Like the hall crown was pretty darn successful if you got a crown over the top of a like a carious tooth they pretty much turned out you know statistically very similar now the flaws in those studies were of course they were done by the person who developed the technique and the sample sizes were pretty small but is Pe that right as far as you guys remember people with the name hall are pretty reputable though yeah i you know so, and that's that's I'm how i felt to lean toward that <laughs> it's do you guys remember anything different kelly or jason no, I think that sounds accurate. I mean, the article that we're talking about here is called check. Out of Sight, <laughs> Out of Mind and is referring to the dental caries. Yes. And making the arguments that just because the caries is no longer visible doesn't mean that you've fixed the problem um, or that this is no longer something that you need to be concerned with. Um, but we'll kind of get into it. Right, because the Hall technique is based on kind of the science behind the idea of the indirect pulp cap. I mean, indirect pulp capping, right? Like the idea is that you're you leaving can put, a little bit you're there, gonna, right yeah, over you're going to leave nerve. some decay. You're going to cover it in glass ionomer and seal it. And if you seal it, then it won't progress. And in a primary tooth, that should be sufficient to sustain, you know, functionality of that tooth until it's done, right? Yeah, and I think their arguments here are pretty poor once you read the article. Um, no, I think this article is horrible. Um, yeah, well, and the funny thing, too, is the references that they give to back up their opinions both are— themselves. Both <laughs> themselves. Both themselves, exactly. written by the same authors, and both editorials that are published by the same in, um, publication. Exactly, in the exact same journal. So they they take like they take like the scout oath here or whatever. What's is the scout law or the oath that courteous, kind, thrifty, clean, brave, whatever. Okay, thoughtful, careful, ethical, based on scientific evidence, and they break them down. Okay, and they say, you know, of the core values. First of all, they say that the highest quality that a hall crown does not fit the criteria for highest quality. Um, I'm, I'm not even sure what, what that, what is it, what does highest quality even mean in dentistry? Right. How are you defining? For a kid, what does it mean? I kind of feel like this, you could relate this to that graph of like the hotness of a girl and her craziness. Okay. <laughs> We're talking the behavior of a kid and the, and the quality of the work. You got to hit that balance. So I yeah, would argue that I would argue that you know the perfect type of dentistry would be whatever doesn't traumatize the kid but takes care of the problem. Yes, and that is right because that's the question when you say you do the highest quality dentistry. What on earth does it mean? Does it mean you have secondary anatomy in your primary teeth <laughs> resins, or does it mean the kid had like a really awesome experience and it went super smooth? Um, and they're not in pain or and they scared get to keep forever. Tea. Right. And so this is interesting. He, he brings up the idea that you're getting paid for this, right? He says the clinicians collect a fee 
um, for treatment. And he puts treatment in parentheses when referring to the hall crown. I mean, how on my argument here is how on earth is this not a treatment? Okay, you're not preparing the tooth with a burr. Sure. Necessarily. It's really not much different than doing a different type of atraumatic restorative technique where you do a minimal caries removal or a medicinal caries um, treatment with SDF. Then you cover up that hole and that's it. Yeah. And it works and you get paid for those procedures. But this whole thing comes down to how do you define success of treatment? And in this article, they say that success is healing, removing the infection and healing the tooth. Um, And I don't know when we ever claimed to heal teeth by treating caries, removing decay and putting a restoration in. You're not healing anything. There's still bacteria there. I can only think of a few treatments that we do that include healing. Um, Soft tissue. Like if you have a soft tissue lesion or something that maybe like you had, like you remove a fibroma or something, maybe that's, then you heal or like a um, apexogenesis procedure where maybe you might do like a MTA pulpotomy or something to see like the roots close, right? Are you healing a tooth in that case? I, I guess you could argue yes, but like even, like even like a restoration, like if you did like a class one restoration, is that healing? No, I don't think I, that's healing. You're removing decay and that you're restoring. Count as healing to me, you're restoring function it's and patching form. The tooth. It's patching. It's making it functional. It's functional, but it's not healing. Um, I I saw my orthopedic surgeon this morning for f- my six month follow up on my second surgical <laughs> fixation of a broken clavicle, and it is um, functional. But the bone is possibly not healing. So there's still the fracture is still present, but it's 100% functional because um, I'm dual plated and the plates hold so well that I can pretty much do I can do anything right now. I have a huge rod through the middle of it and a plate on the outside, right? It's, it's I can very, crash my bike and break it a third seriously, time. Seriously, it's super functional. <laughs> it's not going to break, it's going to bend. Um, but is it healed? It's like not healed, right? Like it's not healed, but it's functional. Isn't that what we do in teeth? I think a way to argue it to like to support your point is we leave incipient decay and try to let it remineralize. So ideally we don't even touch the tooth and take anything out if we don't have to. Right. I don't know about you guys. I mean, after I'm done, with the treatment, I smack the kids on the forehead and say, you're healed. You're healed. Oh, that's right. Seriously. That's right. I forgot about Here's that. a little air, yes. air water. <laughs> Spray <Some> holy water. <laughs> right. But even with the traditional crown prep, the SSC prep, most of us are not doing a really deep caries no. removal. Right. We're... We're preparing the margins. We're reducing the occlusion. We're removing gross decay uh, with a slow speed handpiece, and and when that thing feels okay, you put the crown on. You don't need to go remove every single little bit of bacteria out of that thing. And even with the hall crown technique, you're still removing as much caries as you right. can if you, with a spoon. If you or something. can, I mean, the thing is, I mean, speaking anecdotally because this is definitely my experience, but in my clinical experience, we, I've been doing 
I've played I placed my first hall crowns probably within a year of being in private practice. And I watched the those suckers have survived nine years. Well, they're gone now, right? The teeth have exfoliated, okay? But this was a girl I saw her in the OR. I crowned everything. And then like six months later, her second molars grew in and her second molars were blown. And I was like, well, we're screwed here. I didn't want to take her back to the OR. Um, and I knew that she just needed a crown on the teeth. This was also before SDF was around, right? right. So we really, what options that I had very few options, go back to the OR, put crowns on it or figure something out. So I put orthodontic separators between the first and second molars. The girl was like medium behavior. And she came back. I pulled all those steps out and I slapped four crowns on the second molars. And you guys can just guess how well I opened her bite. It was, <laughs> I mean, she probably couldn't bite a hot dog when I was done. Like this thing was so wide open. And then I had her come back for follow-up. And of course, like beautiful primary teeth do, the occlusion reset itself. The teeth intruded that were high. They intruded um, and everything was back to a functional bite. And she, she was fine. She carried those things until they exfoliated naturally. I did a little bit of spoon decay removal. That's all. So this guy argues under his, under the idea of things being thoughtful that these are like not thoughtful. Like you're just like throwing stuff. You're just covering the tooth, and you don't you don't even know like how much bacteria is in there, and you don't even know if it's sealed. And how can you be a healer if you don't even do a good initial diagnosis on this? I mean, I think. The assumption that he's not following here is that most hall crowns are placed in compromised situations behaviorally, right? Like you either for whatever uh, yeah, reason you're not you're having not, an ideal patient, ideal behavior, and then you're just slapping a crown on there. Like that's not like right. This this guy seems like people are like, oh, hey, kid walks into my office and I'm gonna hurry and shove a bunch of oversized crowns over his teeth and charge full price. And maybe somebody somewhere is doing that, but I don't think so. It's not like you're just money grabbing like with space maintainers, right, Jason? Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> From grants. <laughs> yeah, right? No, the other thing, and this is funny in this article, he's like, is this technique being used on immunocompromised children or people in need of um, SBE prophylaxis? I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Talk about going like stretching, first of all. Even if the kid is immunocompromised, sealing and he has an inf like a decayed tooth, sealing that darn thing is probably going to work. Now, could it become infect? Yeah, yeah, what's a better solution? You pull the tooth out. I mean, this and then the idea of like, oh, this kid needs SBE prophylaxis, and so we put a crown on a hall crown on instead of doing like a pulpotomy or something like. If the kid really needs a pulpotomy, I don't do a hall crown on a kid who actively needs a pulpotomy. Exactly. But if the caries is that deep, right. then he's not a hall crown candidate in the first place. And about patients with a significant medical history, the, right. these patients right. are at higher risk for anesthesia procedures, for sedations. Avoiding those types of exposure risks... Mm -hmm. Are going to is going to be very important as well. In which case, a hall crown is a pretty good option for that. It's 
the best you can possibly do. So maybe it is the highest quality treatment because I mean, I placed, I placed two hall crowns last week. This kid was a sedation. He was not behaving well. He wouldn't stay in the chair. He was, he had spat out most of his drugs. Patient had come from a, a great distance to be treated, had pretty medium sized class twos on class two carries on the distals of LNS. And then he had small, very small mesial cavities on K and T. So I went in with a um, interprox, interproximal like um, disking wheel with a shield on and disked in between those teeth. I was able to disk the mesials of K and T and get the decay pretty much gone. Then this kid, I knew if I even put a drop of like SDF or something, he was just going to go ballistic. So I enamel plasty, the mesials clean. And then I put on, I fit crowns on LNS, cemented those things down, and the bite was fine. The kid hated the taste of the glue. Once we got it rinsed out, he was comfortable and fine. And I felt like the treatment was pretty darn successful. I would be absolutely shocked if those teeth didn't go the distance. I mean, the cavity, they were, I had it radiographs, they weren't down into the pulp. You know, this guy argues also that a lot of people are placing them without radiograph. Of course they are, right? Because these are kids behaviorally who, if the kid will let you take the radiograph, he'll probably let you treat him in a traditional manner. Right. This is a kid where you need full coverage on the tooth, whether that's because of carious breakdown, decay risk, whatever it is. And being able to get a crown on there, you know, it works. And what he ignores in all of this is he never once comments to say like, and the studies that we do have show that they're equally successful to traditional crowns when you do remove decay. He doesn't ever make mention of that. He never argues that they don't work. He just argues that he doesn't think we should do them. I think that it's it's interesting because uh, he talks about the ethics of this, mm. but he, he also, he says in there, the hall technique at best should be considered only as a means of, to provide interim or palliative care. Isn't that what we're doing? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, right? <laughs> Come on. That's what baby teeth, like we're doing interim care right to get them out of like until they exfoliate until right. these teeth come out of the mouth that's what we're doing that's the whole point that's of it exactly so he talks doing. about oh this is bad it should only be used for a temporary or like a getting them out of pain or getting these yeah that's exactly right. what it is no for. no and in that same part where he's talking about ethics he's like are, are you telling parents should like he wants like the parent to sign a consent that says um we're leaving decay. That we, yeah, that we are leaving decay. Well, people, we leave decay all the time, all the time. You leave decay constantly. Decay is left everywhere. Even a lot of dentists that aren't trying to leave decay leave decay all the time. Seriously, <laughs> decay is left all the time, and it's left purposefully. You know, and he says, like, do parents understand why the dentist is justifying leaving live bacteria? You're like under. I love. I mean, just the way it's written is so inflammatory. Live bacteria left under unadjusted right. stainless steel. Uh, okay. And unadjusted. Right. I can't think of the last time I spent a lot Dude, of time seriously. crimping, adjusting it. Seriously. Crown. You can go and do 100 crowns in a day, which we've all done who've spent like a full day in the PEDS OR. And guess what? I've done those days without adjusting a single crown. This guy would probably say I'm the worst practitioner ever. But the crowns work. They look fine. They don't hurt the tissues. They're... You know, whoever 3M or whoever worked with when they designed the crowns, they designed them well. 
we live in the magical age where you don't have like a cylindrical crown that you have to like cut and shape yourself. Like they're already shaped. Somebody already did the hard work for you. You know, maybe you mush them up a little bit here and there, but you adjust hall crowns all the time too. All right. Adjust mesial I mean, distal. But I would say I'm actually more right. thoughtful right. about adjusting a hall crown because I'm more aware of the fact that it may oh, totally. be a little oversized. It might overhang and trap a mole well, or something like that. Or it doesn't fit quite right, and I'm going to take a size 4 and make it a half size up by trimming the margins a little bit and getting yeah, a better exactly. fit. I also like the part where he brings up that um, you know, textbooks argue. It says, this is great, pediatric dentistry textbooks and many scholarly teachers advocate the use of a rubber dam for all restorative dentistry on children. And then he says, but the hall technique is largely done without anesthetics or a rubber dam. <gasps> you know, obviously there's a possibility. Of I like to put being... my, my hall crowns on with a rubber dam. <laughs> it's like the most. Because they'll sit well for that. You're yeah, like a, tooth a kid who's going to let you mouth. put a rubber dam on does not need a hall crown. That's the whole freaking point. I still try when possible to use like a. Well, like a gauze or something is like a shield when I'm placing a crown, if mm-hmm. it, if I can, or I'm careful with how I position the patient. You know, this sedated kid I had last week with two crowns, I used a four by four gauze, and he gagged the hell out of it. Um, but I used it because the crown was slippery, and I'm like, well, I don't need you half sedated, out of control kid choking on this crown. And I would argue, you're doing everything you can to be careful the thing is the kid has an active cavity that's growing and the goal is what to treat it to stop it to keep that tooth healthy and functional until it falls out right temporarily because it is temporary even though the kid's like three right it's temporary so and you can achieve that so i'm not sure how that's less ethical or less good it's just this article is just insane yeah well and i think it just shines a light on the kind of paradigm shift in dentistry, especially dentistry focused on children, um, trying to move away from these heavy-handed, really aggressive treatment approaches into, you know, more sedation, more anesthesia, um, restriction and forced treatment and restraint and all that, and moving towards a less traumatic experience and giving the patient a better experience while still accomplishing the goals of let's manage this tooth until it's ready to fall out. Right. Or maybe they're, or maybe they're just overkill. Right. Right. Maybe we don't need to do a full general anesthesia to manage these four cavities. And we can do something that's a lot less aggressive. We've all received referrals from offices that have done a heavy treatment plan and right. we've been like, well, maybe we don't need to do all this. And then we've monitored these Little cavities. and like MODOs. Right, and right. And then they the don't teeth, grow. Yeah. And then these teeth exfoliate. And you're like, well, I can see why someone treatment planned that heavy, aggressive treatment plan in the first place. But you gave it some time. The teeth fell out. And now we the problem's right. over. It's gone. And we didn't do anything to fix it. You could have done this really heavy treatment plan. Or done a monitoring and carries management right. plan 
and the end result is totally the same. So maybe we need to step back a little bit. Right, and this guy even makes the argument that he says with, you know, now that we have SDF, he's clearly an SDF fan, do you need, he's trying to say, you, we don't need Hall Crowns because we have SDF. I would argue that's not true. I mean, the SDF is effective in certain situations. Well, if you SDF need a crown, doesn't take care of the legitimate cavitation in the tooth. Right, it doesn't solve your cavitation. You still have a huge hole, right? Or if you have like, SDF is hard to place interproximally. If you have a deep, dentin-penetrated interproximal cavity, it is hard to get enough SDF into that lesion or to effectively loss stop it. from the adjacent teeth tipping Seriously. to the gross decay. Right. No, I mean, or I think... even more so, you can apply the SDF with some floss or something, but yeah. how do you track this over time? Right. You have to take radiographs each time. You have right. to see if it's growing. How do you determine if it's growing yeah, or if the angle a, changed? Again, this is a treatment that was designed for kids where you couldn't or decided not to sedate them. And you need the most atraumatic way of solving the problem possible. And if there's like, even if there's like a 5% higher chance that this tooth abscesses or something compared to a traditional treatment, I think that's a risk almost every parent would take. If you said to me like, hey, look, I can put your kid in the OR, he's two, and I can put two crowns on his teeth that he needs, you know, or we can just go kind of put some crowns over the top of the decay with this special glue that has been shown to inhibit the growth of cavities. These glues have been proven to do this. I can cover it in that glue and most likely it'll stop. There's maybe a few percentage chance that we have a problem in the future higher. What would you prefer? And they're going to be like, well, maybe by the time this thing dies, my kid behaves well enough, we can pull it out. And that would be, you know, and you could get a space maintainer and that would be better than the anesthesia exposure or sedation or whatever. I think the other thing that to take into consideration too is this guy's in academics, right? So he, right. like both of them are in academics. So they have, and if you're in academics, you've got access to care. You're doing this, this Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> General dentist in Ireland. What, what else what the hell are you supposed to do? You can't take them to you. the OR. No. Like, no OR, Thank you. OR to be done. Yes. In New Mexico. There's like, we've got a wait list to, yeah, till forever. April. Like, forever. what are we going to do until then? So access to care. What am I going to do? Yeah, no, I'm going to. And that is the highest quality. That is the most that's ethical treatment. That's the best treatment. quality that, is that the we most can ethical do you can do. Because yeah. it's different when you're on the front lines versus when you're in the ivory tower, right? You're up in the tower talking about this stuff. Oh, Hall Crowns, this is unethical and you're ripping people off. First of all. The fee thing where he argues the fee, people getting paid for this is really annoying because anybody who's ever placed a hall crown knows it takes work. I can prep. If a kid sits still for me, a kid who's good enough to take a rubber dam, I can cut and prep a traditional prepared stainless steel crown just as fast as I can do a hall crown. Maybe faster. No. It's not a speed thing. No. And okay, so I used a, I got a, you know, I used up a diamond burr in the process or yeah. whatever. Okay, so I used some more material. But I'm sorry. But the hall crown. But you healed yeah. the tooth. But also the other thing is. They'll never have to gay again. If you went to like. <laughs> that were the case, then you'd have like, all right, I'm in, in this chair for 30 minutes. I'm going to be placing uh, five patients in here. We're going to be doing hall crowns for each well, five. G- guys, give me a couple <laughs> more years out of school, and I will come up with the hall two. Oh, the hall the, the Casey Hall just, technique. They never come back. They never come back. Dude. <laughs> you well, heal them. You heal them. Yeah. But the other thing is like, oh, you can do this on my 
poor, scared, freaked out kid in 30 seconds versus, you know, 30 minutes, you're going to choose that MP4. Yeah, well, a lot of these patients also, you're looking at sedation oh, yeah. fees. You're looking at anesthesia fees to try They're and huge. treat these patients. Huge. And, and those fees add up as well. So you're not only saving the exposure, right. but you're saving the fee as well. When you're on the front lines, you make different decisions and you have to deal with stuff. He's like, I hope the AAPD and the ABPD will come together and basically ban the hall the hall crown technique, you know, because it's not working. But really, they probably should advocate for it more and say, look, guys, here's a technique that you guys can use to do less harm and help more patients. Right. Well, the other thing you run into is how do you define a hall crown? What counts as a hall crown? Yeah, right. How much prepping do I have to do before this is considered a traditional SSC prep? Right. How much caries right. removal is necessary? Totally. Now, I think the hall technique is legit. Like I said, I don't use it all the time. I wouldn't say, hey, I'm going to use this in place of all my traditional crowns. Um, there may be a time, you know, when they did all those studies on like, ferric sulfate, MTA, formocresol, all that crud. You know, there was clinical successes and radiographic successes, and every study was a little bit different. Right. And they'd be like, oh, if you could see a furcation. Yeah, how do you define success? How do you define success? What is the definition of success? Yeah, I think we can boil this whole thing down to that, right? Like, what is success? If success is the tooth stayed comfortably in the kid's mouth until it was done with its useful life, and then that's a win. Well, and really, it comes down to, on a smaller scale, was the parent happy? Is the For parent sure. satisfied no with the treatment? Right. Who freaking cares what the academic journal says if all your parents are happy and kids are thriving? And is a parent even, to counter this guy's argument, is a parent even in a position to understand what it may mean or not mean to leave, quote unquote, live bacteria in a tooth? I mean, what does that even mean? That sounds like a scare tactic. Hey, we're going to leave live bacteria in there. Are you cool <laughs> with that? Hope like, you're cool uh, with strep mutans cleaning yeah, your kid's <laughs> teeth. <though. laughs> oh, th- think about that. Right. And, I mean, for me, that the definition of a successful appointment is that the child leaves happy. We completed a treatment in a way that the tooth has a good long-term prognosis of being healthy and long-term successful and the hall crown achieves that many times very well but i don't think our podcast is going to have a lot of downloads from doylestown tonight no doylestown is (laughs) doylestown for me not going to be for me the patient experience and their future dental anxiety levels is more important than how I treat the tooth. Seriously, and that's the other thing too. Like, one, it's a freaking baby tooth. You know, and sometimes like, I remember times parents saying things like that to me and it being offensive. Then being like, well, it's just a baby tooth, right? It's just going to fall out. You're like, whoa, whoa, let me justify to you why my life is important. (laughs) Like, like don't... Don't demean me. Don't take away the, my value by telling me that everything I do is temporary and unimportant. But like, in some ways, it kind of is. <laughs> so you got to look at it and be like, okay, what's what's this really all about? But 
But seriously, we're we are pretty useless. Yeah, but let's <laughs> let's be real. So I think we beat this one to death. Um, I'm sorry, Theodore and Constance. You know, I'm sure you guys are super cool, and maybe we'll run into each other at some point. And I hope we didn't offend you with this, but I completely disagree with your viewpoint on the Hall Crown. Even as somebody who doesn't use a ton of Hall Crowns, but does them occasionally, I think um, they I think they have their place in dentistry. So. Um, now I I would mention there's now an, a new way to to bring comments up if you want or even to share. We have a, a Facebook group, Operatory Nine uh, Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook um, or if you want to even share uh, these episodes or even the the blogs that or the information uh, that we post on on there, you can go there or the website is uh, operatory9.com. Yeah, thank you. Please, um, please give us a, a positive rating on the um, Apple Podcasts. Um, the more positive ratings, the more it become relevant. That's a driver. You type in dentistry. To, yeah, to help people find it. And I think uh, it's fun to have the um, entertaining side of dentistry represented. On front lines. You know, we're the only one. We're the only one people talking about doctors injecting magical stuff into people. Yeah. I think you could say up nine is the essence of dentistry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>